0: We're looking at a series on thinking biblically. So, Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs 9 is where we're going to be at tonight. And before we read the verse, again, just kind of the concept of what we are going to be discussing is this. When we talk about thinking biblically, we're talking about the idea of looking at life as we know it, the decisions we have to make, how to approach different dilemmas and and, uh, situations. And knowing how to think biblically about that, again, the, the author of this little study, by the way, I've been sharing this with the teens as well. I, I teach it a little bit differently when, with the adults here, but nonetheless, the same concept is this. The idea is this, that when we look at life situations, we see issues or problems around us. A lot of times, we most people, most Christians, how do they view those those things? They view it through the the lens of the world, of society, of social media, of what their friends say or what their neighbors say, what family says. And that's how they interpret different things that are around them or that's how they make decisions is, is around them. So how do you think biblically, though? The idea of thinking biblically is by doing this. Instead of having the glasses of the world and other influences that may today be okay, But tomorrow, you're not guaranteed that they're going to lead you down the right path. You're not guaranteed right or wrong, per se. So how should we as Christians then look at the world and the life that we live? And that's through the lens of the scriptures or the lens of God, of God's will for our lives. And so by looking at the world or the situations around us through the Bible, what does that do? That leads us always into a good and plain path. Okay? It doesn't mean the decision necessarily will be easy or, or, or hard for, the, for that matter, but it'll always be best. I think that's the point that we're making tonight. So tonight we're talking about thinking biblically. We're going to be talking about the idea of wisdom, wisdom, how we need wisdom in our daily lives. I don't know about you, but we need wisdom. We need God's wisdom. This is more than uh, I think sometimes when we think of wisdom, uh, you, you talk about that to the world, what do you think of? You think of climbing the tallest mountain and at the top is, is a, a guru who's sitting there cross-legged and, you know, waiting for you to come. And you're wanting the answer for life or the answer to whatever problem. And what does he tell you? Oh, you can simply just Google that or watch a YouTube video and figure it out. <laughs> How disappointing that would be if you spent all that hard energy to get that answer. But the idea is this, that having wisdom is more than just being smart, it's more than just acquiring knowledge or even experience for that matter, but wisdom is learning how to apply uh, knowledge to life, and we're looking at specifically on knowing God for that matter. So look with me in in chapter 9, verse 10, Proverbs 9, verse 10, that's where we're going to start tonight. It says here, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding." Uh, I don't know about you, but this is—I remember memorizing this verse when I was when I was young, and this is something that has stuck with me. I don't even have to to turn to it or say, I know it, I know that verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the holy is understanding. And so this is where wisdom begins. How? Do, where does wisdom begin? It begins with the fear of the Lord. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. So when we think about that, wisdom and the fear of the Lord, what exactly is wisdom? Wisdom is calling. And so in chapter 9, let's go back just a few verses And I want us to look at kind of what wisdom is doing, okay? Wisdom, in verse 1, chapter Proverbs 9, verse 1 says, Wisdom hath builded her house, hath hewn out seven pillars. She hath killed her beasts, she hath mingled her wine, hath furnished her table, and she hath set forth her maidens, and crieth in the highest places of the city. Whoso is simple, let him turn in hither. As for him that wanteth or lacketh understanding, she saith them, Come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine which I have mingled. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. So in these first opening verses here, you have wisdom. And in the book of Proverbs, uh, wisdom is kind of presented as lady wisdom or woman wisdom, however you want to do it. And that's compared, if you look at the Proverbs, to what's the opposite of wisdom? Folly. Okay. Foolishness. And so on one end, you have Lady Wisdom crying out, come and eat of my banquet. Everything I have to offer, I'm offering to you. Come and eat. You simple ones who don't have much understanding, you come to me, learn of me. On the other side, you have someone else also who has made their building, and also on the high places in the city, called the simple ones. And who is that? That's Lady Folly. Lady Folly. She's the one, Come. But there are the depths, the secrets of sin, the secrets of death. Are there? It leads into a, a, a very bad way—a way of foolishness, a way of destruction. Okay, so that's the comparison that you find a lot in the Book of Proverbs, going back and forth. So you have competing voices. This is very. This is applicable to daily life. You have competing voices all the time, and every day, every situation you have, don't you? You have again. If you're sticking to God's word, you have. Lady Wisdom says come to me, listen to me, eat of my banquet, so to speak. That's the metaphor using here. Come to me, learn of me, and then you will go in the path of, what is wisdom? Wisdom leads you to a path of life. Okay? Lady Folly says what? Come to me. Come to my banquet. You're going to have a lot of fun, all right? And you probably will for a while. But the end thereof, what, are the ways of death, destruction. And so, Lady Wisdom is leading you to the path of life. Lady Folly is going to lead you to the path of destruction. Okay? Very simple. Very simple. But yet, this is something that we are affected with every day of life. So, how does that look in daily life? And so, what is wisdom exactly? Wisdom is calling, are you listening? You're listening to one wisdom or another. You're listening to either God's wisdom or you're listening to worldly wisdom, which in the end is folly. Okay? Okay? So the wisdom, and this is what the definition that's given here in this book, wisdom is the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships or insight. It's good sense. Okay? It's simply good sense. Good common sense. All right? Which nowadays, good common sense isn't that common, or it doesn't appear. Okay? Um, And so, ultimately, when it comes to pursuing wisdom, a question that uh, and I was listening to a preacher this afternoon, just kind of on this, these verses here, and something that he said very struck me, it was kind of convicting, to be honest with you he asked this question: "Am I pursuing God's ways to be wise? Am I pursuing God's ways to be wise? That's what we're talking about. God's ways are always best. It'll lead you to the path of life, and in that we gain wisdom. So, am I pursuing God's ways to be wise? So, let's talk about some life situations where wisdom needs to be applied. Obviously, the wisest one is simply to turn to God himself. Forsake sin, okay? Turn to Lord Jesus Christ, believe on him, be saved. Okay, that's wisdom principle number one, okay? But in doing that, now that you're a child of God... How do you live for him? And so you come up to different things. For, for example, let's say this, that um, you have a, a situation at work. There's a way to cut corners. But you know when cutting corners is not exactly kosher, it'll, it'll actually be a distraction. You might get the work done, but you will also maybe cause problems along the way internally. Okay? There's situations that happen for that. Okay? Uh, here's another thing, just for example. A parent who wrestles with how do you do uh, corporal punishment, discipline. How do you discipline a child? Do you discipline, let me ask you parents, grandparents, do you discipline a child the exact same way all the time? No. Why? It depends on the situation. Depends what's, what they've done, for example, or it depends on uh, how children perceive uh, discipline. Okay? There's some children that... You, just the threat of spanking them is enough to make them stop in their tracks. All right? Others, that spanking doesn't mean a thing to them. You have to use some other method. You have to be wise and discerning how to do it. That's just a, a, applying wisdom for that. And what is the ultimate goal of discipline? It's to lead them in the right way. Okay? We understand that. Also, another thing, too, is what about this? Go back to the workplace. Here's another, this is kind of a hard one. Perhaps an employer, even a Christian employer, is contemplating or thinking about terminating a single parent's position at the job, laying them off because of budget reasons. Ouch, that's a hard one. And as a believer, you have sympathy or empathy for that person, but you also have a business to run. There's things, there's principles. How do you handle that situation? Is there a right or a wrong way to do that? That can be, that's, that's where it gets a little tricky, Right. Okay. Another thing, too, is what if a homeless person comes, they request money for, for food or for, for money or for food. Should you give it? Is it always proper to give exactly at that need? I'm thankful for the opportunity we have to, to donate to In Love, Word, Indeed. There's some some great things that is done in that ministry. I'm thankful for that. But do you always give that homeless person, per se, uh, you know, $20? And if so, how, how much money should you give? How much food should you give? See, that's where you apply wisdom in all that. Let me give you a little story on that. Uh, this is kind of, it's slightly humorous, but anyways, uh, when we were living in Israel, in Tel Aviv, a lot of times when we would head to our, our assembly, our congregation, uh, we were about a block or two away from the central bus station in Tel Aviv. So you got people coming and going, and that area was uh, kind of a rough neighborhood. And there were a lot of homeless people that were on the streets right there. There was a lot of drug users. There was just... It was just kind of very, like I said, a rough neighborhood. And so often there would be a homeless person there on the corner or near the stoplight. And as you were parked waiting for light to change, they would come and knock on your window. And they're wanting a donation, all that. Okay, so could we give them money? I'll be honest with you, most of the time if you gave them money, they would use that and go try to get their fix, you know, for drugs and all that. We didn't want to do that, obviously. We didn't want to enable him to do that. So often what my father-in-law did is he always had a box of granola bars or protein bars. And he would always give that protein bar or, or granola bar with the gospel track. So that's how we did it. But we kept seeing this one guy. We saw him all, almost every week. Uh, he was be there at that stop. And uh, anyways, so for several weeks, we'd give him granola bars or maybe a little bottle of water, things like that. Uh, but anyways, one day... Uh, my father-in-law. I was with him. We come. He rolls down the window and he hands this guy, the homeless guy here, the granola bar in and in a track. And the and the man refused it. He said, "No, I don't want that anymore. Stop giving those to me." He recognized us. Okay. And uh, and my father goes, "Lama, why, <laughs> why don't you want it?" And he says, "I don't have any keys." <laughs> <laughs> It was hard for him to eat that granola bar, okay? So anyway, so what is wisdom? Find something that he can eat. So that's part that's where wisdom comes in, all right? Still a good deed, but like I said, these these events in life uh give us some uh, examples of just how do we handle life in general, especially from the lens of scripture. Okay, so wisdom here, and we're talking about godly wisdom, is really the ability to make a decision in a real life moral situation. A decision that accurately reflects and applies God's principles as found in Scripture. Okay, So the Bible obviously tells us a great deal about wisdom, but how do we get wisdom? That's the question. How do we get wisdom? The Bible says in the book of James, uh, chapter 1, If any man lacks wisdom, or lady for that matter, if anyone lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. So the fact is that we do lack wisdom, all right? There are days where I shake my head like, I don't know what's going on, Lord. I need to figure out how do we do this thing? How do we accomplish this? And I just turn to God, God, give me wisdom. And that might not happen uh, immediately, but I've seen over and over how God has provided the leadership in, in that regard. So let's start, where's the starting point though? How do we gain wisdom? Let's turn to a couple passages here and uh, go back to the book of Job. The book of Job, chapter 28. Job, chapter 28. Before Proverbs, before Psalms. Come to the book of Job. Now Job, in all of his trials that he had, he understood a little bit what wisdom was, and we're going to find that out here in Job chapter 28, verse 28, the last verse of it. Job 28, 28. It says here, and unto man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Seems like Job and Solomon, they they were kind of on the same thinking, same line of thinking. And the idea is this: that the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Okay? And so, in doing that, let's go to another passage of Scripture. Go with me to the book of Psalms, chapter 111, 111. 111. Psalm 111, verse 10. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments his praise endureth forever, and as we read earlier, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of the wisdom. The knowledge of the Holy is understanding. So, according to these passages, what action helps us to acquire wisdom? How do we get wisdom? It's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. Now, what exactly is the fear of the Lord? Okay, when some people are are thinking of that, sometimes people interpret that is they're afraid of God. God, don't punish me. God, I'm trying to do my best. Please don't strike me with lightning. A lot of Christians live in that bubble. They, they're in constant, almost like they're for guilty, conscious. I don't know, but they have a, literally, they are afraid of God. We're not talking about being afraid of God. This is fear, and the idea is reverential awe. They are basically just in awe of who God is. Okay? Have you ever, maybe you traveled out west, for example, you the Rockies, um, or some, something that really just when you saw it for the first time, it just made you stop for a second and just take it in. Ever seen a place like that? And you just think, wow, what a wonderful God we serve. Look at his, the beauty of the creation. Uh, one thing I love to do on a Minnesota night, especially sometimes we get the, the northern lights. Do you like that? You go outside and you see the northern lights going. And wow, what a beautiful uh, element of creation that is—that's God's fingerprints all over that. Okay, and I think that's a, a time where we can say stop and we say God. Not just what beautiful lights he's there. We our reaction as a believer should be what an awesome God we have. I think sometimes we people use the word awesome kind of flippantly. It doesn't really have the seriousness as we use it, and at least in our language right now. But nonetheless, it's really to inspire awe in us of who our God is. And that's what it talks about the fear of the Lord, is really knowing Him. The outcome of the fear of the Lord is is service or obedience to Him. Um, I was talking with the the teens earlier today, and uh, put it this way. Think of a famous person, maybe a famous athlete, um, a movie star, someone that is important or famous to you, that man, if you could have a, a day to spend with that person. So think in your mind who that is. Hopefully it's a good person, okay? good influence, but think of that person in your mind, and uh, say, man, I would love to have a day with them, and what, how would you respond to that person? You'd probably be a little bit more respectful, maybe pay a little bit more attention. Uh, if they ask you to do something, would you be more inclined to do it? Yes, because you want, you want to get on their good graces, in a sense, you want to honor them per se, okay, whatever whoever that person may be, that'd be great, okay? Uh, here's a little interesting story. Back when I worked at Granby Lodge back years ago, um, I remember I was working in the clubhouse uh, for a year. And uh, r- when I was, I was working, all of a sudden, the Minnesota Timberwolves coaching staff came up. Here's Flip Saunders, Kevin McHale, and some of the other uh, assistant coaches there that they were playing. And they usually did this every year, so this wasn't the first time I, I had met them. But nonetheless, here, here comes... Flip Saunders and Kevin McHale and the rest. And here, Kevin McHale's given me his credit card to run through so I can put in for their green fees and stuff like that. So, yes, I handled Kevin McHale's credit card. All right. Now, because of who he is and know he was an important person, I'm probably going to be a little bit more careful on how I work for him, right? I'm not going to be slipshod and all that, especially when my manager is over in the corner. All right. I'm definitely going <laughs> to do a better job uh, of doing that. Anyway. Think of that. I'm going to be doing my best for for that situation, okay? Why? Because I'm trying to serve our special guests. Uh, We had guests all the time, but here's a, a special guest in particular. So nonetheless, here's the thing. Our service to God should be even greater. Our awe of God should be even greater than doing that for Flip Saunders and Kevin McHale. Just giving an example, okay? So this is the importance that we, we should imply or that we should apply to this. So the starting point of, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And that results in service to him. It is to respect him, to respect God, to know him. So the fear of the Lord, that produces, what does it produce? It produces really a willingness to do what God says. That's obedience. Okay? Now there's great examples in the Bible of how we can show that, how we can do that. For example, one of the first people that comes to mind is Joseph. Remember Joseph back in the book of Genesis, how he was sold into slavery by his brothers. He suffered false accusations by Potiphar's wife, for example. He was in the Egyptian prison for many years before he was, he was even forgotten, uh, it seemed, at that time. But do we see Joseph ever complaining, ever grumbling? We never see that. Maybe he did, we just don't have that recorded. But nonetheless, he was a great example for us to, no matter what situation and dilemma that he faced, he always did what was right because why? Instead, Like to Potiphar's wife, for example, I cannot sin against, really, the Lord. Ultimately, it was the Lord. And because of that, he was looking through that dilemma, not through the eyes of what the world says. He viewed it through what God says. He wanted to honor God in everything he said and did. Another example would be Daniel. Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were basically asked to do things that were contrary to, to God's will, such as praying only to the king. Uh, Daniel decided, said, no, I'm going to pray to the Lord only. And Daniel suffered for that. He was arrested and he was put in a lion's den. We know the story. The angel of the Lord stopped the mouth of the lion. He was delivered. But ultimately, what, how did Daniel look at that dilemma? He looked it not through the eyes of what the world says, They would say, no, just bowing to pressure, just, you know, know, in your heart, you don't mean it, obviously, just, you know, keep going. But Daniel said, no, his conscience convicted him, and he did that was right because he viewed that situation through what God says. So there's different examples that we have in the Bible. The book of Proverbs, for example, Ecclesiastes, these are passages of wisdom that the Lord gives us. And so this is very important. Now, the thing is this. How do we apply wisdom in this way? How do we gain wisdom is by the fear of the Lord. And a great practice of how you're going to get that is by sticking to the Bible, reading the Bible. Read it and read it and read it. Read your Bible, pray every day, and then obey. That's really where wisdom comes from. Read the Bible, pray every day, and then obey it. Man, that sounds so simple. It, and it does sound simple, but it's a daily discipline. It's a practice that we should have. Like I said, when, when it comes to believers, when those who claim to be Christians, when they go through problems in life like, man, what should I do in this situation? I'll be honest with you, a lot of times the, the big reason why they struggle with that dilemma, with that situation, is because they're not spending enough time in God's Word. They're not spending enough time in prayer. They're not spending time with God, Is ultimately. Because why? They are distant from God. How do you know what God wants if you're not spending time with him? So now I don't want you to beat yourself up. Man, I missed yesterday type of thing. Or you don't have to be in there 24-7 type of thing. But it should be a part of our daily life. Daily practice is what it should be. And so make that a pattern, a habit in your life that you cultivate. Again, these are principles for living uh, in that we would do it. For example... Later on in Proverbs, it says here, "Train up a child in the way he should go; when he is old, he will not depart from it." Training up a child means, again, to get them in the Word of God. For example, get them to spend time with God, and when you do that, they will not depart from it. Now, is that a promise? There are some people, some Christians. I've even heard some preachers that say that's a promise. Yes, if you do these things, you raise them up from the when they were, just came out of the womb, they're they're going to be set for life. That's not a guarantee. It's not a guarantee. It's a, rather, it's a principle. It's a principle. Meaning, if you have a life, a daily diet of God's Word and prayer, spending time with God, guess what the principle is? That when they grow, they will not depart from it. That's a principle in life that they'll have. And that applies no matter where we are in our Christian walk. Okay, And so, in doing this, uh, we get benefits from living wisely. Okay, There are benefits that the Lord gives us here. Uh, wisdom is incredibly valuable because decision-making, again, is a part of every daily life. Perhaps you were thinking of a dilemma, maybe something that you're having to face even now or you faced recently on, man, I don't know if this is what we should do or not. Um, this could affect the way that, uh, how you live or maybe for the years to come. Give that to the Lord. Uh, get in his word, apply that. One thing, can I give you a little bit of, uh, uh, something from my college days I'll share with you, okay? Um, okay. I, I didn't date much in college. I didn't. Why? Because I kind of knew what the Lord was working in my life, even as a teenager in high school. And so I knew that the Lord's called me to missions and to the mission field, especially working with the Jewish people, things like that. And so I was, I guess you could say, a little bit picky on who I would date or who, what lady friend I would have. Let me just say it that way. Okay? And so, but whenever uh, the Lord kind of brought someone across my path, uh, as, and I'm going to use my wife as an example, because this is exactly what happened. When my wife and I be, be started corresponding with each other, uh, one day I'll tell you a whole story of how we met, but when we started corresponding, and, and really, you know what I did it, on my own time, is I read through the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Solomon. I read through the, the wisdom books, if you will. I read through them, and as I read through it, I prayed that the Lord would give me wisdom, because this is a life-altering choice, who you're going to marry. Outside of salvation, that's probably the next biggest decision you're going to make. Okay? That's bigger than what type of bread you're going to get from the, book st- or from the bread store. Okay? All right? So I prayed and read and prayed and read, prayed and read until the Lord gave me that piece about, yes, to move forward with that relationship with Mandy. And guess what? You know the end of the story. Okay? And so God blessed in that. And so I encourage you to do the same. If you're going through a dilemma or a situation that you're just like, where do I go with this? I challenge you to read through the book of Proverbs. Start with that. Read through the book of Proverbs and ask God for wisdom. What does he say in James 1? If you lack wisdom, ask of God. He'll give to all men liberally and upbraideth not. Okay, He will give that to you. That's a promise to that. So now we come to a fork in the road. How then do we make a decision? Should we do this or should we do that? The first step is this. First step in applying wisdom is this when you you come to that dilemma is ask whether God in his revealed will addresses that specifically there are some things in the Bible where it explicitly talks about how we should live okay it's very clear on that okay and so that's that's should be should be said for example um, uh, dealing with uh, moral issues for example okay God is very clear on how we should live our lives righteously that way okay the second step is to pray. Like we said, ask of God. The third step is consider the values of scripture. Uh, for example, what God is, is teaching us through that. That's where, like, the Proverbs comes in. What are the principles of life for that? Okay? Um, another thing is honesty. Be honest with the Lord in all that. Honesty should be a characteristic of every believer to do what is right. Okay? The next step, I think, is to seek the counsel of others. When you come to a a major decision, seek godly counsel from others, people that you know and trust. Uh, Seek your pastor. I'm your pastor here. I'd be glad to sit down with you, at least listen. If nothing else, pray with you on that. Uh, When we moved from uh, Tennessee to up here to this calling, I counseled probably about 25 people that were family members or people in ministry that knew us well. And basically asked them to pray, first of all, but also... Kind of bounced off questions on uh, the dynamics of, of such a move that, that was a major move for our family here just a few years ago, but th- that 's important though uh, the Bible says in Proverbs that with much with many counselors, there is safety okay not just don 't just pick anyone off the street and ask, okay, ask godly counsel, Godly counsel people that you know who are walking with the Lord uh, and do that okay um, and then a final aspect of how do, you do, how do you approach this dilemma is basically simply act upon it. Don't just sit there. Okay? Wisdom does nothing if you just simply don't do anything with it. Okay? Wisdom is how you use knowledge. That's the idea. And so it should not paralyze us Rather, it should give us confidence. If it doesn't violate Scripture, okay, if it doesn't cause other people to stumble, all right, we should, we should definitely move forward on that. Simply obey is the idea. Read your Bible, pray every day, and obey. Act upon it. You know, sometimes when you're faced with a dilemma, simple advice is this. Sometimes you've got to do the hard, right thing. You have to do the hard, right thing. It might not be easy, but the Lord will give you the wisdom to do what is best. Okay? And so this is talking about thinking biblically. How do we apply wisdom to our lives? And no matter what age you're at, what, what level of Christian maturity in your walk with the Lord, each and every one of us need the wisdom of the Lord in how we handle every aspect of our life. That could be looking for socks, for example. The Lord can do that. Meet, meeting with a friend and with the right words to say, maybe giving a witness, for example, to the Lord. All those things, that's wisdom applied, and But that comes through a diet of spending time with God, reading the Word, praying often, praying daily, make that a part of your life, and then simply obeying it as well. Okay? So these are just some simple aspects of life. So we kind of want to end where we began tonight. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. So spend time with God, seek His face, and He will lead you in the right path. Simply follow Him and obey Him.